0: Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sandra Ladd, and I'm the Senior Minister for First Christian Church Stillwater. We are growing a Christ-centered, compassionate church where all can connect to God's love, and we hope that in this time you experience growth. We pray that this time will help you focus and center on Christ and that in this time, you will sense care and compassion. We pray that this time provide you with a deeper connection to the love of God. Grace and peace be with you. And again, we thank you so much for gifting us with your time together in reading today's scripture passage. I invite you to stand if you are able or remain seated if that's preferable. Join in reading along on the Pew Bible, 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 1 through 5 and 13 through 17 or follow along with the words on the screen. You can read out loud or silently and I realize that's a lot of options but our request is that you use this time to focus your hearts and minds on the gift of God's Word for today. Again, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-5, through and 13-17. through As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by spirit or or by word, or by letter, as though from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. He opposes and exalts himself, above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was still with you? But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, Because God chose you as first fruits for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. For this purpose, he called you through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us through grace, gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. Following a four-year rotation of the narrative lectionary, we have transitioned back to the revised common lectionary. The RCL uses four passages, an Old Testament passage, a psalm, a gospel passage, and a New Testament passage. Those passages are chosen because of their common thread or message giving us a better picture of the whole story of God written by a diverse group of inspired authors relevant throughout all time. The gospel passage for today is from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 38. In it, Jesus is confronted by the Sadducees, a very wealthy political group of powerful leaders who used religion as their platform and often challenged the teachings of Jesus. They were the skeptical religious, leaning more on the power of the law for salvation and on the teachings of this man who claimed to be God. The main point is summed up very well, I believe, in a quote from a working preacher commentary by Kyle Brooks, who said this, What won't be resurrected are petty squabbles and theological quandaries of our times. They are relegated to the realm of dead things. Resurrection does not come without death, but it leaves dead things in its wake. It does not fret over dead husbands and wives. On the contrary, it rejoices that the dead can die no more. May the God of the living continually draw our attention to this life beyond the limits of our imaginations." Jesus' message to the Sadducees that day was You question and doubt because your minds cannot comprehend anything beyond life here and now. But the eternal life that I offer is not bound by your limited imaginations. The Old Testament passages from Job chapter 19 verses 23 through 27 containing the passage of that well-known song, I know my Redeemer lives and that in the end He will stand upon the earth. After my skin has been destroyed, then in my flesh I will see God who shall be on my side. Psalm 17, 1 through 9 imagines a time of reconciliation and unification of all people and calls us all to be people of prayer, faithfully lifting up those who are, who are separated from God by their actions in hopes that they too will be guided into complete understanding of the grace and mercy of God. And our focus today, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 5 and 3 through 13 through 17, Commonality is eschatology, estic- or the part of the theology that concerns death and judgment, the final destiny of the soul and humankind. It's as complicated to say it as it is to understand. Before we begin our study of today's passage, let's pause for a word of prayer. God of creation, these important passages are. Difficult to understand. They're confusing. But I don't believe that they're written to be troubling. On the contrary, I believe that they're written to bring hope. The good news is always good, filling our souls with hope and peace and guiding us to deeper joy and love for you, love for one another. Speak to us this day, and through your word, guide us more deeply into that truth. Amen. In my early teen years, I was very active in youth group. And I remember the first Left Behind series. We watched it in youth group. And I remember at the conclusion of that series, trying really hard to be excited about the second coming of Jesus. But in honest conversation with the other girls in the group, we were more hopeful that it wouldn't happen until we had had a chance to live this life just a little bit longer. We wanted to be married and to have kids and begin careers and experience life here and now. We were sure that heaven was gonna be this great place um, and that it was gonna be wonderful, but it was just way more appealing after we had lived rich, full lives on planet Earth. It didn't seem like really good news to me that Jesus was gonna come in an instant and that everybody was just gonna be swept away if They were saved, and all others were going to be left behind and given a second chance only if they endured the suffering of tribulation. Some of you may remember the lyrics to that theme song, two men walking up a hill, one disappears, and one left standing still. I wish they'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come, and you've been left behind. Second updated series came out when I was a youth leader and I watched it with my youth group and it was in trying to answer their really difficult questions that I researched the topic a little more in depth. And I realized that there are lots of esciological theories, but that's all they are, theories. There are no clear answers as to how. There is a clear answer as to when. No one knows. We are included in a congregation that celebrates All Saints' Day, a remembrance of the saints who have passed in this year and throughout COVID, and that will be a part of today's liturgy. There are specific scriptures that are that are assigned for that celebration, but I think today's assignments are just as appropriate, and I hope at the conclusion of worship you will agree. It's important to understand the context of this passage from Thessalonians as described in verses one through three. The church in Thessalonica is exposed to teaching either through prophecy, messages, or a fake letter from Paul, which has them concerned that the rapture's happened and they've been left behind. And Paul tells them as the coming of Jesus and our being gathered together in him, We beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, a word that we would do well to take to heart. There will always be alarmists in the world and in the church, those who are alert and attuned to the bad news, most recent conspiracy theories, those who love to dwell on bad news those who it is referring to in verse 2, those who have spread pessimistic news. And Paul says all of this is just distraction from the truth and the reality of what God has done, is doing, and will yet do. The writers here are at pains to beg their brothers and their sisters, and I love that wonderful reminder of who we are called to to be to one another. Family. We are the family of God. He asked them not to pay too much attention to the alarmists. There is some mention of one who opposes God. A lesson from history worth mentioning is that no one really knows who the writer had in mind, nor do we know whom the readers would have interpreted this to be. Maybe It stands as a perpetual warning to us that every generation of believers will have those who will always set themselves up or even be considered by others with a sense of divinity, a clearly undeserved and unwarranted notion, those whose rule seeks to usurp devotion rightly owed to God and deceive and distract believers from the coming presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse four paints the picture of an authority figure who seemingly despises all other authority except for his own. This person, whoever it may seem to be in any and every generation, is to be resisted. The focus of the believer is to be the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to center our lives on Jesus, human form of the living God who lived the life, revealing this glorious love, mercy, kindness, and forgiveness of God, living to the very end, forgiving, even as he was being nailed to the cross. The second part of the passage highlights the place and the position of those who are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it coordinates with our gratitude theme, calling us to the highest degree of thankfulness. We must always give thanks to God, even in the midst of lies and deceptions, because God's mercy and love will always prevail. Welcome reminder this week as we head to the polls to vote. God's mercy and love will always prevail. We're to live as reminders that God's work is not yet complete. We are chosen. We are loved. And that message is to all. You are chosen. You are loved first fruits, and I want you to note that first fruit clearly implies that there is more fruit yet to come. There is potential in every living and breathing individual to come into right relationship with God. A reminder that even as we live in this complex, confusing, and difficult time, we are to be symbols of hope. God has shown mercy to us. God will surely show his hope, mercy, and love to the others that surround us. We are reminded of the priority of being proclaimers of the good news. Throughout time, guys, there has been more than one version of the good news. The good news spread by the Roman Empire was focused entirely on the emperor and his exploits. We are not the first generation to be exposed to fake news. The genuine and the internal good news is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is good news of the Father's love, good news of the Father's grace, good news of hope, good news of salvation, good news of complete transformation into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Good news of a trustworthy, faithful God. When I was young, what I knew about heaven were stories of streets of gold and colors of stone that shone brightly and brilliantly as jewels. No more tears, no more suffering or sorrow. And those were great hopes, but not as great for me at the time as the promises that my future held. My focus at this stage has shifted I now stand on the promises of being reunited with the saints who have gone before me. Eternity not separated by death, but reunited eternally with all of those that I know and love. I look forward someday to seeing Paul, the disciples, Fanny Crosby, Helen Keller, my grandparents, my in-laws, Burl Carrier, Steve harris Claudia Thomas, Elizabeth Rogers, Jesus. Death no longer scares me. Temporary separation makes my heart sad. But my hope is that those tears will be wiped away by the realization of eternal reunion. That God so loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the good news that we're called to receive and to share. Maybe those that we love that pass before us create greater hope within those of us who are left behind temporarily, a greater hope that is intended to share with greater confidence with those void of that hope, confident that we can trust God who is ever faithful to his promises to work out the details of how and when we get there. Amen.